everybody. Hello and welcome back to Let's Get Haunted, Haunted with your hosts, Matt Strong and Alyssa Terry. Well, we are back for episode two, so that means we <laughs> have finished something that we started more than once. I'm really proud of us for, we always ha- talked about starting a podcast and then never actually did it for yeah. like a year. We've talked about doing a lot of stuff that we've never done. That's true. Yeah, but let's not focus on that. <laughs> let's let's focus on this beautiful podcast that you're tuning into right now. And um, we just want to say thank you to everybody that tuned in to episode one. I refuse to pay for um, SoundCloud Premium, so I don't really know how many like unique listeners we had. But um, we had like 1,200 plays on yeah. episode one. So yeah. I mean, I assume a good portion of that is people stopping and starting. <laughs> but, but that means that probably there was like a hundred yeah it still listen. counts yeah you know, it counts it counts and i also the next day um the russians <laughs> reopened the case yes oh my god okay so we recorded episode one the last week of january i, I could look up the exact date but i don't want to do that and um on february 4th 4th or 5th, the Russian government officially reopened the investigation into the Dyatlov Pass incident. So I think, one, further proof that we're psychic. Mm. Two, it's because of us. That's why they reopened it. <laughs> Wait, those are the same reasons, <laughs> Wait, right? No, because we're psychic. We knew That's, that they would reopen it. It's because of us. And then they reopened it because we <laughs> oh, knew. Right. So it like no matter what, it was because of us. <laughs> you know what's really haunted is that I logged into my Facebook today, which is first of all, fuck why? I don't know. That's haunted. <laughs> Second of all, it's our friendship anniversary on Facebook. I We've know. been friends on Facebook for don't kill yourself eight years. Oh my God, we're so old. Like why hasn't someone separated us is what I want to know. Well, they say if you make it to the seven-year mark, I read the headline of an article and it said... <laughs> Just the headline is all you need. And it said if you make it to the seven-year mark in a friendship, then it's forever. Really? And I believe that because I was thinking back, I was like, who are some other friends that like I'm still in contact with? And pretty much everybody I've known... There's like a couple exceptions of like newer friends, but everybody that has been stable in my life, I've known for at least seven years. And then I think about friendships that didn't work out and I did not know them for seven years. It dissipated in like year three or year four. It's always year three. And you're just like, you know what? Actually, I've changed. This person's toxic. It's not me. (laughs) It's them. I hate them. Right. And then it ends. Yeah. And so if you can make it to year seven, then you've already experienced that person probably at their worst. Right. (laughs) And then probably at their best. So you know what they're capable of on both fronts. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. Thanks. Happy friendship anniversary. Happy friend and... Oh, is wait. it friendversary or friendversary? Friend? You know what? Our ship's name is Natal. Wait, Natalie. Is- Natalie. Yeah, Nat yeah. Strawn and Allie Terry. Natalie. That's so cute. That is so cute. Somebody on Twitter said that they think our ship name is cheating because it's a regular name. <laughs> <laughs> but that just goes to show, hey, that we work together, right? Because it's an actual name. Since when is a regular name a bad thing? Either. Yeah, I don't want to be Benifer. Yeah. Oh, yeah, damn it. I forgot the nut button. I'm so mad. I oh. wrote down to bring it, but I didn't. I'll just have to say nut. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
Okay. Um, and then one other thing I think we should talk about before we start uh, getting into the story is that we were on a different podcast, Beyond the Pine. Oh, yes, we were. And we're now sitting at the same table that we recorded that podcast at, recording our own podcast. And if that's not psychic, if that's not actual factual proof that we knew what was going to happen, then I don't know what is. I don't know either. And I just want to say thank you to uh, Sugar Pine for letting us use their audio equipment. Steve is graciously helping us edit uh, this one because you, um, we heard a couple of complaints about echoes and <laughs> okay but <laughs> it was actually ghosts so yeah. they were trying to throw our investigation off uh on and most of those ghosts are actually just not being lazy like a ghost well, told me like it's not that important to not have an echo like who really cares that much like well, is your yeah <laughs> is your car that you're listening through on like state of the art because like yeah, fuck you. I don't even have a car. <laughs> fuck you yeah. if you can hear the echoes because I couldn't. I couldn't because I don't know. Yeah, because you don't own a car. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, you knew that it would be echoey and we're lazy. I was just straight up ignorant. And so what's worse, ignorance or laziness? I think ignorance. I just went into this being like, podcast, that sounds fun, knowing nothing about how they work. Oh, I, I think know. that's the opposite, though. <laughs> you think? Yeah, like I feel like ignorance is you, you're, it's admissible where like knowing something's wrong and just being like, uh, like that's worse. Well, one time I got um, pulled over by a cop and I don't remember what I was doing, but I was <laughs> like, I was like, oh, I didn't know that I couldn't do that. And I, and they let you I go. got away with a warning instead of a ticket. There's so, so many guys that are getting triggered by this right now. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Be like, Girls Look, first that. of all, I was probably like 17 and it wasn't something crazy. I think I just like Oh, you know what it was? You know those lanes on the 405 that are white um, solid lines? And you're yeah. so like, it's just, it's only for like a mile. You're not supposed to, yeah, cross them. And I just didn't know because I, in my head, I was like, double yellow is the only thing you can't cross. And so I like changed lanes and then I got pulled over and he was like, why'd you do that? And I was like, I didn't know. Was this in your truck? Uh, my old truck, yeah. Uh, was the most haunted. Alyssa had this haunted truck. It was like a Texas Ranger and it was... The, uh, like a, a few times we were driving on the 405 and Alyssa drives like the most scary person I've ever <laughs> met in my life. She drives like she's driving a, you know, a race car that has like four wheel drive and like a spoiler on the back and handling. But she's driving this like two wheel drive truck that like the transmission yeah. is broken and she has to turn it oh, off God. in the middle of the highway, put it into neutral and then turn it back on to to like get it back into gear. Yes. OK, so what you're remembering is so I had a Ford Ranger. I think it was like an 03 or an 02 or and something. It, it had and like an American flag sticker yeah, or something. It, it had some weird It said decal. agriculture, America's best job on yeah. the back. Okay, so I was driving. It had a kill switch on the passenger side. Haunted. It was down where the where feet go. So this was like very poor design for get it together. And uh, they had a kill switch literally at the feet of the passenger. And so if someone who was like particularly tall or like pushed their seat up all the way was sitting in the passenger seat, they could very easily kick the kill switch. And that happened to me several times. Someone kicked the kill switch when I was on the highway one time. Another person kicked the kill switch when I was um, trying to park at a grocery store and I just stalled out and all these cars were behind me, like trying to get around me. Um, another time I was... Um, uh, well, I'm not going to tell that story. Another time, <laughs> <laughs> another time, um, it stalled out on campus, like because someone kicked the kill switch. Very poor design. Yeah, it's yeah, haunted. bad vibes. We said that in episode one. This is a bad vibes podcast. So yeah, bad vibes podcast. Um, 
Yeah. So should we start our story or? Yeah. So um, if you guys I, remember, kind of a- uh, we're going to switch off. Every other episode, we tell each other a story. So I told episode one's story, the Diat Love Pass incident. And now Nat's going to tell me a story. So this is kind of about Los Angeles in general. Um, Los Angeles is, it's a weird area. You know, you've got a high influx of people here. Everyone's kind of crazy. I feel like the people who get attracted to Los Angeles are like, you know, the fucking guy that like thought he was cool in your high school. And so he's like, I'm going to go to Los Angeles and be a star or whatever. So you kind of like in myself. So you kind of get (laughs) weird, crazy, narcissistic people there's a lot of mental illness here. There's, you know, a huge homeless problem here. There's there's just a lot going on. It's different than, uh, you know, where I grew up in Oklahoma and Texas. Yeah, I, mean, I definitely agree with you. It's just like a huge, dense population of there's definitely people that were born here and are just living their lives. Then there's the tourist influx of people, like you're saying, mm-hmm. that just come in and think they're going to be a star. Um, and then there's a lot of also like white collar jobs here. A lot of big companies come in. We have the entertainment industry. So I totally understand what you're saying. Just a yeah. lot of different kinds of people. Right. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about the, the story that I'm going to tell today is about a hotel in downtown Los Angeles that you probably are familiar with because this is a very infamous hotel called the Cecil Hotel. Yep. I've heard yes. of it. Yes. Yes. And this is a hotel that has inspired many Hollywood stories. Uh, the last season of uh, American Horror Story. Oh, I didn't had. watch the last season. Yeah. Um, well, maybe it wasn't the last season. The, the hotel one okay. that was inspired by this. Uh, there's a lot of haunted stuff going on in this hotel. But yeah, it's I, first I want to start off with um, Los Angeles. If this this hotel was built in the 20s. So Alyssa, payback here. Okay. What do you think was going on <laughs> in 1920s downtown Los Angeles, California? Okay, I'm going to say the prohibition. Ding, ding, ding. Yes, the prohibition. It was illegal to manufacture, produce, sell or use intoxicating beverages. That is 14 years from 1920 to 1933, the Volstead Act. It was a national law. Can't drink. Don't do it. But people did. Yeah, speakeasies. I also want to say that flappers, right? That was in the 20s. So you had, to a certain degree, a little bit of women's liberation. You could wear clothes that didn't go down to your toes and like you could show perhaps your neck. Yeah, bitches were shaving their eyebrows off and drawing in in those. And the short hair, which was sort of rebellious because that's like sort of tomboyish to have short hair. I think the idea behind it wasn't even tomboyish, though. It's like Betty Boop. It's like, oh, I can see this woman's neck. It's like sexy. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So the 20s, it's booming. There's lots of money coming in. There's industry. Hollywood um, is starting out. I think the Hollywood, let me see. The Hollywood sign was put in somewhere. I have this. Ah, the Hollywood sign (laughs) was erected in 1923. Oh, I didn't know that. Hollywood is really coming to life in the 20s. Uh, And that's when the film industry is really starting. And so the population more than doubled in size. I didn't know that either. 1920 and 1929. So that's a really. That's a short period of time. That's a really short. Yeah. Amount of time to have the population uh, double in downtown Los Angeles. And uh, an influx of families immigrating from Mexico tripled the city's Mexican population, which reached 97,000 by 1930 and earned the city the nickname the Mexican capital of the United States. 
Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, California used to belong to Mexico, so that makes sense. Right. It's kind of a rude thing to say. The Mexican <laughs> capital of the United States. It's like, uh, uh do you mean the <laughs> do you mean the American capital of Mexico? <laughs> yeah. Oopsie. Um, so extensive moderniz- modernization is taking place in the twenties, and we see this in the architecture, opulence. There's, you know, everything is has little jewels on it. It's like Great Gatsby. Like yeah. everything's got a little jewel Hell on yeah. it. Yeah. It's like like, put a fur on it, you know, put a little like <laughs> feather. On it. Yeah. And whenever I look at pictures of women from the 20s, it's always like some woman who's like 105 years old and like <laughs> is wearing like a beaded like kimono with like a fucking oh, feather totally. in her hair. Yeah. Yes. And she's just like, looks like, oh, I'm going to die in five minutes. But like, but damn, I'm, do I look great? But look at this long cigarette that I'm smoking <laughs> and a bottle of whiskey in the other hand. Yeah. That's probably why they lived so long because they just didn't give a fuck. Right. Well, and then we got at the end of the 1920s, the Great Depression hits. Mm. So you've got this rise of everyone's doing a bunch of coke. They're dancing around. They're having fun. Life is good. And then just kidding. um, The stock market crashes. Everyone's unhappy. You got a bunch of people from like Oklahoma coming because there's a dust bowl in the middle of the country happening. So your dreams are ruined and Los Angeles, the city of broken dreams. The grapes of wrath. People tr- come going from middle America, uh, you know, farm folk <laughs> going to California, trying to just make it happen. You're getting in your jalopy. Your jalopy? Jalopy? <laughs> jalopy? Well, I don't know what it is. Jalopy. You're getting in your jalopy and you're hitting the Route 66 with your fam. Stopping along the road, you know, taking pics of signs. So they didn't have cameras, I think, because they were so poor. <laughs> oh, mental pictures. Mental pictures. The original. That's the inter- Instagram was your brain. Correct. So, correct. <laughs> so, uh, during the 1920s, people were dancing, going out, drinking, um, and having fun. But then in the 30s, everyone kind of switches over to radio, to listening. Okay. Yeah. So, that's a little bit of the political climate that is happening at the time that the Cecil Hotel was opened. Thank okay. you for that. I actually learned a lot. I didn't realize that LA tr- doubled in size, is that what you said? Yeah. In nine years, in one decade? Yeah. So, basically, uh, down Downtown Los Angeles, you've you've got a lot that happened in a short amount of time. There's a lot of energy there, right? Okay. Okay. And then December 20th, 1924. ASMR. ASMR. Supernatural ASMR. Supernatural ASMR. The Cecil Hotel is constructed in 1924 by hotelier William Banks Hanner, and it's located at 640 South Main Street, Los Angeles, which is, I walk my dog by this place. Is that the stay on Main now? Yes. So it okay. has been rebranded several times, which we will get into. Okay. Um, but it opens up in 1924. It has 700 rooms. Damn. Yeah, this is a big place. And they're at affordable prices. And it's intended to be the ideal location for tourists and uh, businessmen. And it has a $1 million lobby in there, which you can still go in and see today. It's absolutely beautiful. It's done in like Art Deco style. Um, But then two years after the hotel is opened, the Great Depression happens and the area around the hotel falls into despair, becoming the infamous Skid Row with as many as 10,000 homeless people living within that four mile radius. So the Cecil Hotel is forced to become a budget hotel hostel. And 
with it being so near Skid Row, it kind of becomes a place for transients, people who are not familiar with Los Angeles and don't really realize it's a seedy area. And they're like, oh, I can stay here for $4 a night. Great. Like, perfect. Let's do stay do there. you remember, real quick aside, do you remember when you, me, and Yonas were moving into our um, house that we rented on Mount Washington yes. and we accidentally went down Skid Row like the wrong way because it's a one-way street? And yes, then and Lana Del Rey. And Lana Del Rey was walking down the street. Was this a fever dream or did this no, really happen? No, we saw Lana Del Rey walking down the street dressed as an angel. As like dressed as an angel in all white angel wings, huge feathery angel wings. She's walking down Skid Row and there's just this horde of homeless people following her. And it's and, very odd. There's a photographer taking pictures right. of her. Yeah. And I, I think I'm that, like, give them food, Lana. Don't like, don't use them as a backdrop for whatever <laughs> photo shoot you're doing. She totally was just like, I'm an angel on Skid Row. I'm like, Bitch, they're just like looking at you like, who the fuck is this bitch? Like, do you have food or money? Because otherwise, get out of here. (laughs) Yeah, like like what? Like, what kind of angel are you? You're just like coming in here and looking slutty. The angel of like pretentiousness? Yeah, (laughs) exactly. That was not a fever dream. Okay, that happened. There were witnesses. I just remember being in the backseat of Jonas's car and we drove by that and I thought I was hallucinating. I was like, what is, what is happening? And I couldn't even get my phone out fast enough to take a picture because I like was in such shock. Anyways. Anyway, sorry I interrupted. So I just had to talk about Skid Row. LA Hollywood celebrities. Skid Row, it's a place where, yeah, transients come in and out of. Um, Absolutely. And it's, yeah, it's a it's a, a crazy place. There's They don't enforce. It's scary. There's like needles on the ground that are used from people shooting up. Yeah, rampant drug use. They actually, um, in the 90s, I was researching about this, in the 90s, the mayor said, you know what, I'm not going to make it illegal for people to be poor. So they decriminalized camping in that area. Mm -hmm. So now it's become present day the most stable population of homeless people in the United States. That's interesting. I also didn't know that. So that's a good fun fact. I know a lot about downtown L.A. Yeah. Okay. So you're impressed. I'm impressed. So Cecil become uh, supposed to be like this opulent hotel with 700 rooms. Uh, Great Depression happens. And now you've got this hotel that has 700 rooms. It is having to market itself as a place for transients, um, hookers, drug addicts. They sell rooms nightly and monthly. A lot of people are just living there. And so I just want to tell you um, a little bit of the brief history of things that have happened at this hotel because of its being a seedy area. Okay. Okay. So, April 1929, distraught by the sudden death of her husband and after roaming the hotel for three days, 33-year-old Dorothy Robertson was taken to the hospital after overdosing on prescribed barbiturates in a failed suicide attempt. Okay? 19, so that's, now it goes up. 1931, Manhattan Beach resident W.K. Norton was found dead in his room after ingesting poison capsules. A week prior, he had checked into the Cecil under the name James Willies from Chicago. So he's using an alias. It's that okay. kind of place you don't want to Yeah, be. they don't check your yeah. ID. They're just like, write your name in the guest book. And it appears to be the earliest known suicide at the hotel. And then here's something kind of interesting about this is that... Um, after he died, they found that he had checks made out to his wife in his pocket. So, wait. So, oh, so he was killing himself so, and then wanted her to be taken care of. But they're married. So why didn't right. she have his account weird, info? Right? Did he have a secret account? A secret life? Is that why he killed himself? And a secret family? Exactly. I don't know. But, I, you know, he's from Manhattan Beach. So I looked up the guy and I found his house on 912 Strand Avenue yeah. Strand Avenue. So he's a so pretty he's rich, a rich guy. Dude, this house now is worth $2.6 million and it was built in 1912. So imagine 
at that time in 1931 living in that house. Yeah. You know, like you're a rich, successful person, yet you're somehow maybe perhaps drawn to the Cecil or your wife is trying to get some money. I don't know. All of these incidents have so many unanswered questions. And that's kind of um, what we're getting at at this case is that why does this hotel have so much unanswered stuff? Like why are there not investigations? Is it because... It's a poor area and the police just don't have the time or the effort and they just don't really care about right. these Right, not enough resources. Yeah. Or- so then in 1932, a maid found Benjamin Dodditch, 25, dead from a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head. He did not leave a suicide note. In 1933, a young truck driver was fatally crushed against the wall of the hotel oh, by God. his truck, though his name was lost due to poor record keeping. 1934, former Army Medical Corps Sergeant Louis D. Borden, 53, is found dead in the room at the Cecil. He slashed his throat with a razor. Okay, that's a real determined suicide. I would never be able to do that. Investigating officers finding a razor by the body in farewell notes reported Borden ended his own life because of ill health. And then here's a point towards sketchiness. In a brief note, he asked that Miss Edna Hasner of P.O. Box 664 Edmonds, Washington, be the sole beneficiary of the little that I leave. And who was she? They don't know. Just uh, some random just some random chick. person. To me, that sounds like also, you got your throat slashed and someone yeah. was like. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, you'd have to be really determined to slash your throat with a razor as a means of suicide. Why not just buy some illegal drugs on the street and overdose or like jump off? A, I mean, I don't know. I've never been in that mindset, but I just can't imagine wanting to slash your own throat with a razor. Are we really going to talk shit on suicide? Well, like, I'm saying, no, I'm not? saying no, I don't I think it. he committed suicide. I'm saying yeah. I think somebody. Foul Play. Yeah, foul play. So then in 1937, uh, 25-year-old Gracie Margot falls from the ninth floor of the hotel, but then her body gets entangled in telephone wires on her descent. Oh, my God. Yeah, she dies later at a hospital. But there was so uh, a 26-year-old sailor from the USS Virginia sleeping in the room with her. And he says he was sleeping when it happened, but he has no idea why she would try to kill herself. Wait, a sailor was in the room with this woman? Yes. Oh, that's that's a sex worker, and right. he absolutely threw her out a window. He says he has no idea, mm. and the police were unable to determine if it was an accident or suicide. Okay. Okay. Well. So, yeah. Sketch, right? Yeah. So 1938, now you have Marine Fireman Roy Thompson, 35. He jumps from the Cecil's top floor and is found on the skylight of a neighboring building, and he had been staying there for several weeks. That's gruesome as well. These are all very gruesome deaths, like being tangled in wires, landing on a skylight. Mm -hmm. I know. It's weird. Yeah. 1939. And we're not even into the, you know, years where they have air conditioning. I guess a point to what you were saying about the Great Depression, I guess it would make sense to have a lot of really desperate deaths during this time if people are down on their luck. Mm -hmm. But I definitely think that some of these sound like they weren't. Yeah, foul play. Yeah. So 1939, May Navy officer, and there's a lot of like army officer type people. Erwin C. Neblet, 39, is found dead in his room after ingesting poison. 1944, oh, this is a great one. 1944, 18-year-old Dorothy Jean Purcell is wakened by severe stomach pain while staying at a hotel with a guy that's 38. Okay. So he's 20 years older than her. She's sleeping next to him in the same bed. She tries not to wake him up because she's got, you know, her stomachs are hurting. She goes to the bathroom and surprise, gives birth to a baby boy. It's a miracle. Oh, my gosh. She didn't even know she was pregnant. Oh. So she says that this baby was stillborn and she panicked. So she threw it out the window. No. And then the baby landed on the roof of the neighboring building. 
it was found, the baby was found, and she was charged with homicide, but a jury found her not guilty by reason of insanity, and she was sent to the psychiatric treatment. I have such, like, a visceral reaction to people killing babies when they say that they didn't want it or they did I just saw something in the news the other day that some girl in Northern California um, put her baby, she gave birth to a baby, drove to the middle of a highway and put it in the middle of a highway. The baby was rescued and it's alive mm-hmm. and they found the woman. Um, so she's obviously going to go to court for this. I mean, that's attempted homicide and child neglect, but I understand that people have problems, but I really like that kind of thing just makes me so angry because I under, like if it's a stillborn, call 911. You didn't know you were pregnant. You're a dumbass because mm-hmm. that's what your period's for. But like you didn't notice you didn't have your period for nine months, but maybe you're really unhealthy. So you just didn't notice whatever. But call 911. Or if it's a baby and you didn't know you were pregnant and you're scared, go drop it off at a hospital or a fire department or a police station. I do not understand just throwing babies around. I really hope that birth is that painless that you're just like, oh, I think I have to take a shit. Oh, (laughs) just kidding. I had a baby because like that's I'm terrified of giving birth. Or are are there shits just that painful? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe because this was back in the day, like babies weren't as big and like everyone was smaller. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, makes me angry. Well, I'm glad that people, you know, infanticide, infanticide, what is that? Infanticide. infanticide. <laughs> it sounds like Fantasia, like, ooh, this is sexy yeah, installment. Infanticide. Yeah. Mickey Mouse comes out and has the dancing broom. It's the new Cirque du Soleil. Yeah. Infanticide. We're going to hell. Okay. 1947, <laughs> Robert Smith, 35, died after jumping out of the seventh floor window. 1954, Helen Gurney, 55, jumps from the window of the seventh floor room. God, and this is so many people. I know. And she checked into the room under uh, an alias also. Um, 1962, we're getting closer, I promise. No worries. 50, jumped from the window of the eighth floor and landed on a second story interior light well. She didn't leave a suicide note. Among her possessions, though, were a bus ticket from St. Louis, 59 cents and change, and an Illinois bank book showing a balance of $1,800. That was a lot of money back then, was it not? Or what year is this? I mean, that's a lot of money to me right now. Well, Give me $1,800, yeah. <laughs> please. Uh, 1962. Okay, yeah, that's still, that's a good amount of money. I mean, yeah, that's like one of my medical bills. Yeah. 1962, Pauline, 27, uh, jumped from the window of the ninth floor room after an argument with her estranged husband. And she landed on a pedestrian, killing them both instantly. Yeah. So even just walking down the street in front of this hotel is just bad news. Um, And then 1964, a hotel worker discovered Pigeon Goldie Osgood, who was a um, she worked at the hotel and she had that nickname Pigeon Goldie because she would carry bird seed around with her and feed the pigeons in Pershing Square. Oh, that's cute. So they find her body. Um, She'd been raped, stabbed and beaten in her room and the room was ransacked. And uh, then they found someone walking through Pershing Square where she had been seen covered in blood. They arrested the dude who was a friend of hers, but then eventually let him go and said that, yeah, said that he um, was cleared. So he was arrested and charged, but then later cleared and her (sighs) murder's still unsolved. Well, I, I mean, I know they didn't have DNA testing back then, but someone walking around covered in blood seems like they should not be released back to the general public. Yeah. Okay. 1975, a still unidentified woman jumped from the 12th floor window onto the Cecil's second floor roof, and she had registered there December 16th. 1976, a man opened fire from the roof. 
Nobody, what? yeah, this is crazy. Nobody died, but after he was taken into custody, he said he never intended to hurt anyone. He just wanted to demonstrate how easy it is for someone who had mental health issues to get hands on dangerous weapons and harm people. You know what that reminds me of? You know that mass shooting that just happened in Thousand Oaks where the guy went into the borderline um, and shot up people on that country music night? Oh my God. He said his reason for the shooting because he was live streaming during it. He said it was because he wanted to show that we need gun reform in this country. You are such an asshole, sir. Like, yeah, you wanted to show that there's a problem with gun control. So you went and killed a bunch of people you don't know. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. Like what? Yeah. Fucking assholes. Yeah, that guy's an asshole. Yeah, that guy's an asshole. I don't know his name and I don't care to know his name. All these people are assholes. And that guy on top of the Cecil that was shooting people to prove a point, asshole. Yeah, okay. I'm just going to read through the rest of this super fast Mm -hmm. because I want to get to the story and this is bumming me out. Okay, go for it. Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker. He's a serial killer rapist um, from June 1984 to... 1985, he was uh, practicing Satanist, too. He's a really famous serial killer. He was staying there uh, for $14 a night, and he often threw his bloody clothing into the Cecil's dumpster afterwards. And then in 1988, a body of a 32-year-old nurse was discovered deceased. Two months later, the murderer discovered was hiding out at the Cecil. So that all happens. Um, Basically, this hotel has a bunch of bad press because... From the moment that it was erected until like 1988, you have like tons of high profile serial killers staying there. (laughs) You've got people dying left and right. You had one woman who jumped off, literally her body landed on the marquee and people are like watching the police untangle her from there. So in 2007, a group buys the Cecil for $26 million. Um, So they transform the building and rename it. It's called The Stay. So they, I was there too when they did this. It was right after what I'm going to talk about next. Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to hear it. Okay. So it's February 2013. Okay. It's cold. It's a haunted time of year. <laughs> As we know, it's very close to where we are right now, Oh actually. my gosh, you're right. Yeah. So Elisa Lamb, do you know? Yep. You know her? Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's start then. Elisa Lamb. 21 years old, young girl, Canadian student at the University of British Columbia in Vancouver, embarks on a solo trip around the west coast of the United States. Her intention is to visit San Diego and then work her way up through Los Angeles, Santa Cruz, and finally San Francisco. And she wrote extensively about her plans on social media and sites like Tumblr and Facebook, as well as her own blog. So we have tons of social media evidence of her. And I wanted to just read some of her blog and oh yeah I've never read any of her blog entries or anything so that that's gonna be interesting so I want you to look at her um first I'm gonna have you look at her tumblr and kind of tell me what you're seeing on her tumblr let me go to her pictures it's called Nove, Novel, Novel, whatever. It's French and it no, translates Nouveau. to new news yeah okay so just scroll through some of those pictures on her tumblr and kind of tell people what what you're thinking about okay so i'm this is so interesting because i've heard casually of the elisa lamb case but i've never looked into anything about her specifically um do you have a tumblr no of course you don't i don't i never got into it the trash people of the (laughs) internet it's like it's like the Instagram meets Vi- MySpace for just like emo trash. It remind you know what it reminds teams. me of Live Journal and Zanga, and I had both yeah. of those growing up, and I don't need to repeat that time in my life. Yeah, you learned. Um, so I'm seeing a lot of gifs. I'm sorry if you pronounce it GIF. I say GIF. 
Um, GIF is a peanut butter. Yeah. Um, I'm just seeing like a lot of GIFs. There's... Um, what would you describe the content? Like what's her blog about? Well, it's interesting that it's called New News because a lot of this stuff looks sort of vintage. Um, there's like fashion. There's like um, artistic graphics. Uh, here's something that shows an apple doing yoga. It's a cartoon and it says, I am strengthening my core. Mm. Um, kind of cutesy. Uh, let's see. Let me scroll a little. Oh, here's a pistachio, a drawing of a pistachio with a mustache. And it says pistache. EO. <laughs> Meryl Streep is on here. Yeah, just like a lot of artistic photos and paintings. Yeah, does like it, does Van Gogh. Does it seem like pretty typical for a 21-year-old? I mean, I never had a Tumblr, but this... It looks very disjointed to me. There's like a lot of different topics being discussed at the same time. And most tumblers that I've scrolled through have like a cohesive theme that are like very aesthetic. Like if yes. you really like, um, you know, anime, then it's all right. anime or if you're or grunge, Kauai or grunge. It's like, yeah. yeah, it's like you, you can go like, oh, I want to see soft ghetto. And then you can look at yes. it's like a photo. Yeah, board. steampunk or mm. Yeah, aquapunk. Yeah, this is not big a mood. mood. Yeah, this is not big mood. No, this is it. It doesn't appeal to me personally. It's a lot of like cartoons. Here's a cat with a piece of corn on its head, and then right next to Spider Man. So it doesn't really make any sense to me. Right. It's um, I I don't think that a lot of it seems like impulsive posts. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that. Yeah, impulsive posts too. Um, yeah. So she's got the Tumblr. Uh, so I think that her Tumblr reflects her love for fashion, photography, the arts mm -hmm. and et cetera. But the way that it's put together is maybe not necessarily someone who like knows exactly who they are or. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. So Lamb was dealing with a new bipolar diagnosis okay. and she was depressed and she was taking medication, uh, a couple different antidepressants and mood stabilizers, but she never had any signs of danger or breakdown and she never had harmed herself or others. And she didn't really have any red flags. Okay. She was a promising student. Uh, she had a family that loved her and uh, they had a shop in Canada that they worked at together. So she had strong communities and she had hobbies as we can see. And she has a future ahead of her, right? So I want you to look at her blog now and kind of tell me what you're seeing in her blog. Like maybe just like okay. read some, you can read some of this sure. post out loud if you want and comment on it. Okay, so here is her blog, ether, etherfields.blogspot.com. And the post that Natalia has me reading says, Sunday, worries of a 20-something. I spent about two days in bed hating myself. Why don't I simply do the things that I know will make me feel better? It isn't rocket science. It isn't that difficult. Get out of bed, eat, see people, talk to people, exercise, write, read. If you want to do something with your life, well, okay, just go ahead and do something. And then now it's in italics. Ugh, it's too much work and I don't even know where to start. I don't know how to do anything and it'll never work. I'll be judged. I can't do it. I can't do it alone. I don't know anybody. It will be a complete utter disaster and no one will care about it. And of course, the point of doing everything is to get attention and praise from other people. Yeah, I need to get the most followers and the most views. And by doing that, I have to promote myself and become a phony and pander like hell. Good job. You're really following all ideals you hold so dearly. Good job. You stopped yourself from even starting. You're so lazy. You'll never accomplish anything. If you weren't so lazy, you'd probably wouldn't have dragged out this depression for so long. 
God, why do you give up so easily? You make it like a snap decision. Why do you have no commitment and diligence? You're so freaking lazy. You're a phony. You want to cruise by and fool everyone into thinking you're smart, but really you did the least amount of work and pretended you worked really hard and you deserve this mark. If there's an easy way, you will manipulate people into getting it and then feel guilty afterwards because, oh, you didn't live up to your morals and ideals. Well, it keeps going uh, for a little bit longer. And then the very last thing that she says on this post is, God, I hate you so much. What do you think of that? It's sad. It's really sad. That's really sad. It almost um, breaks my heart. I know. And so how old was she when she wrote this? 21? 21. Yeah, that's, I mean, I... I Those are feelings that I think everybody has at that age. Young yeah. Too, because we're, you're moving on from a place where you've had your parents and your teachers and like everybody taking care of you and you have so many activities lined up for you in the day that you don't really even have time to know who you are. You're just kind of like ticking boxes, right? Like I need to go to this class. I need to do this. I need to make this grade. Um, so had she just graduated at this point? Is that what you said? So she was 21. She was in school in Vancouver, but she wanted to transfer perhaps to a school that was in Santa Cruz, like a USC uh, oh, extension. Okay. But she kind of didn't know what she wanted. So which brings me to my next point. She decides. So she's kind of in this transient place in her own life where she doesn't really know what she wants. It seems like she's confused. Visually, you can see it on her Tumblr. She's just kind of scatterbrained. scatterbrained all over the place. But nothing that's like completely unheard of for somebody that Yeah, age. totally. I think, like you said, everyone sort of goes through that phase where you're transitioning from teen to adult. And it can be very confusing. And especially if she's going through a major move and has just had a major diagnosis, which mm -hmm. now we know like bipolar disorder while I don't have it. So I'm, but I'm sure it's very challenging. Um, I mean, now we know that tons of creative people have bipolar disorder. There's different medications and coping mechanisms, and it's not like a diagnosis that would be the end of the world. But for someone who's very young and is moving to a different country and just had this diagnosis, I'm sure that that would be really difficult. Yeah. So she the other thing that's really interesting about her is that she's really smart, you know, like she's mm -hmm. at, calling herself dumb and saying that she gives up and she doesn't she uh, she doesn't have the will to make things that she wants happens. But even that kind of self-awareness is something that you always see in intelligent people. They're super, super depressed because they're just like, I have this potential and I don't have the energy to make it happen. Mm -hmm. And one of the quotes that she has on her uh, blog is like, you're always haunted by the idea that you're wasting your life damn yeah that hits hard and just imagine that you're in this place in your life where not only do you think all these things but you put those out in public right this is a this is a public blog right this it wasn't public made public blog. after the fact it it's, was always public it's still public now so that sort of seems like a cry for help as well like someone please notice me i'm leaving all these breadcrumbs behind for right. people to find reaching out yeah okay so she decides she's going to go on this trip to the West Coast and she's going to go by herself. So to me, that's pretty ballsy, going 21 to a country by yourself. My mom would never let me never, <laughs> at age right? 21. No, never. But um, so December 21st, she blogs that she wants to visit the West Coast. And then December 28th, she blogs that um, her these are important clues for later. Sure. December 28th, she blogs that her cell phone is misplaced. Uh, she says... Unfortunately, my cell phone is, quote, misplaced. Life tip number 1820. Never, ever work in a shoe store, and especially if it's a lady's shoes. What? Run far, far away and hope you never need to stoop so low you have to sell shoes. Men's shoes are okay. Okay, that seems a little, that does seem very, ch like a childish thing to say, right. and she's 21. Yeah, yeah, right. So she seems like maybe a little impulsive. Yeah, impulsive. You lost a phone. 
and she's mad that about something else or maybe thinks that she's a little bit better than whoever she was working with at the time. Right. Working in the shoe store. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. After she blogs that her cell phone is misplaced, she, January 5th, says, The next leg of my whirlwind adventure, the West Coast. Meetup applications now accepted for Vancouver, San Diego, Los Angeles, Santa Barbara, San Luis Obispo, Santa Cruz, San Jose, and San Francisco. Suggestions and recommendations highly, highly appreciated and needed. So does she have a following on social media at this point? Not really, no. Okay. But she is saying she might be meeting up with random people from the internet. I don't know. Okay. So January 7th, she books this flight. It says, I just got my flight booked. Vancouver, January 18th to the 22nd. San Diego, January 22nd to the 27th. And the rest is to be written. January 29th, she says, I'm privatizing the living crap out of my Facebook because I'm paranoid that like, I'm paranoid like that. And I come across my fourth Facebook note out of the five I have. Verbatim posted here from my Facebook. So respect and kindly do not repost this. This is the very start of my depression today. I'm feeling very low. So January 9th is the first time she says she's paranoid. She's going to make some things more private, but she's also blogging about it. And she says she's starting to feel low from depression. January 18th, she arrives in Vancouver. but And she's supposed to leave on January 18th, but then she gets lost in the airport and misses her flight. So... January 22nd, she travels to San Diego for the first leg. So that was just an interesting note to me because it's like, how do you get lost in the airport? Yeah, it's especially the whole point of an airport is it's mostly full of people that work there. So if you did get lost, just go up to someone and be like, yeah, where do I go? Or maybe she showed up late. She's just otherwise another point towards being kind of disorganized in my opinion. Yeah, disorganized, disoriented. So January 24th, she says, today I slept. I took a long, hot shower. I stuffed myself silly with a $3 dinner, and it has been most productive and enjoyable. I seriously have done nothing in San Diego that is out of my normal routine at home. I do what I want. Oh, my God. She reminds me so much of me. (laughs) After all, I like my home comforts, and every now and then I do something entirely impulsive and reckless, like tell a guy I just met I like him. Oh, that's cute. I do like people watching at the hostel. Now that I'm rested and well, starting tomorrow, I should venture outside more. One, SeaWorld. Two, the zoo. Three, museum because it's free. Four, whale watching at Coronado Point Loma. So what do you think about that post? So I think this sounds like someone, and maybe I'm repeating what you've already said, but I think that this sounds like someone who is being, is obviously receiving an allowance from their parents, right? Because she worked in a shoe store for a short period of time and then is suddenly able to afford like plane tickets into the U S so, and it seems like she's sort of unaware Mm -hmm. of like, she has a lot of good things going on in her life. Like she has a family that's clearly supporting her. She's in a good college. Yeah. Yeah. And, but yeah, you can totally see the highs and lows. I mean, she's documenting it. She's documenting now I'm not feeling well at all. Oh, now I feel euphoric. Oh, now I feel reckless. To me, these are all like normal emotions that people go through, but like it's so different to put that out in public. Yeah. Yeah. And it's happening so quickly too, like literally day to day, like one day I'm fine. Next day I'm super depressed. Now I'm eating a ton of food and I'm telling a guy I like him. Now I'm sad again. Yeah. Yeah. I like, uh, yeah. So January 27th, she says, the speakeasy was awesome, all caps, (laughs) except I lost a cell phone. Sigh. Again, another cell phone? So she lost another cell phone, but it wasn't her. She had borrowed a friend's old Blackberry for the trip. So to put the timeline in perspective, she loses her phone while she's in Vancouver 
and is like, oh, shit, I'm going on this trip. Borrows someone else's old Blackberry for the trip. Goes to a speakeasy. Loses that Blackberry. Okay. So, yeah, she's a little bit jumbled up, it she's seems like. every 21-year-old <laughs> yeah. in college. Well, like, how many times did we lose our phones? I definitely lost... I've lo- I've actually... I think I've only ever lost one or two phones in my life, but I totally understand leaving it somewhere or thinking I've lost it. Dude, I've lost so many phones. Really? Yes. One, t- <laughs> one time I was sitting on the strand with Jack and we were just like drinking a beer and I went back inside and when I came outside, I was just like, oh man, I left my phone on the middle of the fucking sidewalk and of course it's gone. See, so maybe it's because I'm always on my phone. <laughs> So I, it's like very hard for me to lose it long term, but maybe you're more in the moment. So no, it's easier like, for you to lose it. I wish I could say that these were times when I was sober. Like, no, <laughs> this is always when you're like blackout and yeah. you're like, I lost my phone. I lost my purse. I lost my ID. I well, lost that's everything. true. She was at a speakeasy. So maybe she was blackout drunk and just like left it somewhere. I left my purse in the car in Mexico, like in the taxi in Mexico oh my on the God. way to the airport. No. Yeah. And was your ID in there and stuff? My, my everything was in there. My ID, every single thing was in there. Oh, no. Yeah. Luckily, my mom had my passport so I could like go back Thank to God the United States. Thank God for moms. States. Yeah. Mom. But like, how stupid is that? That's just why when I was younger and my mom would be like, let me have a copy of your ID or like, I need to keep this here. Like I'm if we're on a trip together, like, oh, I need to keep your important you know, stuff on me. I would be like, no, mom, I'm an I'm an adult or I'm a teenager. I don't need you doing stuff for me. And now that I'm an adult and realize how stupid I can be. I'm like, yes, mom. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Like the other day for taxes, she was like, oh, do you want me to store this in my locking cabinet or do you want to take it to your apartment? And I'm like, well, realistically, I'm going to lose it. So could I just like keep Keep my important tax papers at your house. Uh, I like, like I love that. Yeah. I love when we go on vacations together. Y- like you always have a binder of the trip, <laughs> and I I know it's got to be annoying when I'm like, hey, what are we doing today? And you're like, I literally no. fucking printed this out on an itinerary <laughs> for you, and you're too lazy to even look at it. And I'm like, well, why am I gonna like have the energy of no, saving the I itinerary? Love it. When I you love do? planning stuff. I think it's super yeah. Except fun. for then we lost the oh. entire itinerary. Okay, so there's an example. So if I died and someone was looking back on like. <laughs> my life they'd be like wow what a dumbass how unrealistic that she spends like a month working on this itinerary and then leaves it on the airplane but that's what I did right we got it back so that's another point is people a lot of like they they talk about her mental health and they're like using her blogs and stuff to be like wow look at her how crazy she is like she's got so much angsty and so much emotions but like really that's she's like everyone yeah you're right that's a good point I've now changed my mind yeah okay great so On January 28th, she arrives into L.A. and she checks into the Cecil, which is the haunted hotel that has all the suicides and all of the crazy sad stuff in (laughs) the beginning. But it's a hostel now, right? And so that's why she's checking in there? Right. So it's it's a hostel. So she's checking in there. We don't really... That's another thing, too, is like a girl like that does not belong at the Cecil. Right. So yeah. like, if we're looking at the past records of the type of people who were staying there, we got prostitutes, we've got people coming in under an alias, we've got drug dealers, we've got serial Criminals, killers. Yeah. Yeah. This 21 year old girl traveling by herself, you know, coming from a privileged family in right. Canada does yeah. not need to be staying here. I agree with that. Right. Maybe so, she was looking for an adventure. Maybe she liked that it was a little seedy. Yeah, she doesn't blog. That's We don't have blogs from her from that day. But um, we do know from January 30th, sure, her anonymous roommates complain that she had odd behavior and she gets moved to a private room on the fifth floor so that she won't disturb other guests. Okay. So we don't know what her odd behavior is. But on the entire trip, she's calling her parents every day. Even after she lost her phone, she's using other phones to call her parents and check in with them so that we know, like, they know she's safe. 
So okay. she's not like totally out there. I mean, we've all had weird roommates before. So that to me doesn't, you know. You had a roommate that literally pooped in your <sighs> shower. Oh my God. Yeah. I think about that all the time. That's like <laughs> I almost forgot about that. I think I solved it though. So Alyssa has this, you were... Every once in a while when there was a break, you would come home and there would be like a tiny pile of poop in the okay. shower, right? It only happened once. We were on spring break. I don't even want to say what grade I was in because I don't want people I don't if this girl by some chance is listening to this or stumbles across it one day, I don't want her to feel bad, but this think of it from my perspective. I'm like 19, 20, <laughs> and some somewhere around that age, and I come back from spring break early. This girl had been you need permission to stay in the dorms over like holidays and so she had gotten permission to stay in the dorms and she was living there with her boyfriend and we had it was a bunch of roommates like four people living there and I get home early and she didn't know I was going to be there and I open up the shower curtain to take a shower and there's just this pile of like I don't even know how to describe it because it wasn't like a turd how you think of a turd like solid and formed it was like a mushy not quite diarrhea, but like it was poop. I think I have to know, like, I think Steve is staring at me. Steve is so grossed out. So I've like done so much thinking about this because okay. every time I get into the shower, I think about this. I don't oh know my God, why. I love that this is stuck in your, in your head. I know. And I, and I thought like, well, maybe she was having sex in the shower. Oh yeah. Like anal. And then, and, yeah. Or oh. maybe she was like, doing like an enema to prepare for anal. Oh, you know, that makes that a lot more sense. That would make sense why it was like, like a diarrhea. It doesn't make it okay, but that no. does make a lot more sense. But I. But then it still leaves the unsolved mystery of why wouldn't you clean it up? And I took a picture of it because I, I was like, I need another person's opinion. I do not know what I'm looking at. And I don't want to text this girl and be like, did you shit in the shower? So I sent it to some of our other two of our other roommates and I was like, hey, what is this anybody's? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> what is this? And um, and she was <laughs> does in this belong. Yeah, to does anyone? this belong to anyone? And I sent it in a okay, so it was a group chat with everybody that lived there. And I was like, does anybody know what this is? Like, should I clean it up? What is this? And the girl comes running back into the dorms and is like, Oh my god, I'm so sorry. Um, uh, one second, I'll just I'll take care of that for you. And like grabbed like a wad of paper towels and cleaned it up. And see that it's hers. Yeah, like, absolutely. Would, well, she was the only one living there. I was just being nice by being like, does anyone know what this is? That's the greatest unsolved mystery. We need to have an entire podcast yeah, episode. An entire episode. Dedicated to I that. I should just call her and like bring her on the show and be like, what was it? Yeah, Dude, just fucking tell us. I want to know. It's like the only reason I've stayed on this earth this long oh, is to find out yes. what the motive was. Like, just give me a fucking. Just tell me. And I, I, now if that happened to me or you, I feel like I would just ask or you would just ask like, hey, what is this? But at the time I was like 19 or 20 and yeah. I, I thought it was going to be embarrassing for her if right. I asked, but now face. I'd be like, dude, did you take a shit in the shower? Yeah. And I would be like, honestly, <laughs> like, are, is this a power move? Like, are you the yeah. alpha in this house now? Like, what is this? Is this your shower now? Yeah. Like, like just tell me what's going on. Yeah. So anyway, weird roommates, not unusual is the point. So it doesn't, right. you know, that doesn't really concern me that they're complaining about her behavior. Maybe they were just bitchy or maybe she was just doing something that to her was normal, but to someone else would be weird. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. So January 31st, it's the next day. It's the last day of her visit. And she's supposed to check out and travel to Santa Cruz for the last leg of her trip. And a bunch of hotel workers see her. They say she looks happy. She looks friendly. A local clerk at the bookstore, her name is Katie, says that she sees her. She was alone, but she was very lively and outgoing and friendly. And she was talking a lot about whether her book would be too heavy to travel with. Oh, okay. So her parents are waiting for a phone call and because she'd call her parents every single night. And when she didn't call, her parents fly to L.A. 
And they good file, parents. Yeah, see? that's what I thought yeah. too. And they file a missing persons report. For the first week of her disappearance, the family and the LAPD search the area of the Cecil and they use police dogs, but there's no scent or clues at all turned up. Okay. Um, the room that she was in was totally clean. It seemed exactly as she had left it, and there's no sign of disturbances or struggle, no sign of foul play or anything like, like no that. Like no blood, no drugs, no yeah, alcohol. Absolutely okay. nothing, and they can't find scent anywhere. Oh, that's it. That's weird. Yeah, so that's January 31st and the whole week of February. So a week goes by. February 6th, the LAPD releases an official missing persons bulletin that has her picture on it and details. And it's like, if you have any information, contact the police. They get no leads. So the very next day they have a press conference. There's nothing. Then February 14th. Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. Our last story, I'm so- episode one, something happened on February it's 14th. It's the most cursed <laughs> day the most of cursed, the year. Cursed motherfucking holiday. Okay, wait, quick. Quick side backstory. I have been really sick. I've had a crazy sinus (laughs) infection. And this Valentine's Day, I I go to sleep and like knock out and I have this crazy fever and it's February 13th. And I'm like, I literally have never felt this bad in my entire life. Mm -hmm. So I call my mom right before I go to bed. It's like 7 p.m. I'm like, mom, can you die from the flu? Is that (laughs) real? Like, do people really die from the flu or not? So I was like willing to go to to die. Like I was just like, you know what? I'm I don't have the energy to like go to the doctor or anything. I don't want to mess with like the health insurance crap right now. Yeah. I'm just going to go to sleep. And my mom's like, please go to the doctor. And I'm like, oh, I'm just going to go to sleep. NyQuil. Sorry. Bye. And she's like, "Okay." So the next morning, it's Valentine's Day. I wake up to knocking on my door and my building manager literally breaks into my apartment, like uses (laughs) a key, breaks in. And I'm like covered in sweat. I just woke up. I'm covered in sweat. I'm super sick. I'm wearing my work clothes from the night before. And like, I'm in, like, I do not need to be seen in public. I'm like not <laughs> expecting anybody to come in. I literally just woke up and my manager's like, Natalia, Natalia. And my voice is so hoarse that I can't like yell back anything. Oh my God. That's scary. So I like walk down the stairs and she sees me and I'm like, who the fuck is breaking into my house? And I'm like, hello. And she's like, almost jumps back. And she's like, oh my God, are you, you're okay. Yeah. Your parents have been so worried. They called me. Uh, they said that you were really sick like you have to call them back and I'm just like what and then she I'm like okay bye and like she closes the door and I go and look at my phone I have like 20 missed calls a bunch of emails from my family (laughs) I like you're like hey what are you doing are you okay and Apparently, my mom had thought that I would like was dying. Yeah, and she hit me up on Facebook. On she, Facebook? Yeah, and I and the thing is, I never go on Facebook, but I went on Facebook because I got in an argument about vaccines the other day with somebody, <laughs> and I wanted to check uh, like what people were commenting <laughs> on the thread. And, to see if you would win. Oh, I won. Okay. Good. I won. And then, um, uh, of course, because anyone who's anti-vaccine is a fucking idiot. Yeah. And, uh, but anyway, so... What was I going to say? Oh, so your mom had messaged me. I saw that I had a new message and I never checked my messages. And I was like, oh, I'll check it today. And I checked. And the top one was from your mom being like, Natalia's really sick. Like, please, can you call her? And so I t- like message her back and I'm like, yeah, I'll call right now. And so I called you like twice and then I texted you and I was like, there's Natalia is probably fine. Like, she's probably fine, but I need to make sure. <laughs> and then your mom, a couple hours later, hit me hit me back and was like, oh, I finally got a hold of her. Like, the building manager, like, woke her Dude, up. But the whole, but after that experience, I was just thinking, like, wow, this is fucking Valentine's Day. Like, <laughs> this is the true meaning of being single on Valentine's Day is someone breaks into your house to see if you're dead or not because you have such little contact oh with the outside world. Oh, my God. That's amazing. Oh. <laughs> 
Yeah. It is so the most haunted holiday. It is the most cursed haunted yeah. holiday. Mm-hmm. Like everything yes. bad happens on Valentine's. So on February 14th, the LAPD releases um, an elevator surveillance video from February 1st, okay. which is the last footage that we have of uh, Liza Lamb. And I'm going to show you this video and it is kind of disturbing, but let's uh, there's no sound either. So I don't know. Yeah, I'm just going to play it for you. Okay. And why don't you just like go ahead and narrate what you think is going on here? Okay. So we'll post this to the Instagram so everyone else can watch. So this, here's Elisa Lamb. She's entering an elevator. Mm-hmm. The she's elevator hiding. Door opens. Oh, oh no, she's pushing buttons. Okay. I just saw her hand move up to the buttons. Now she steps back after pushing buttons. The doors are not closing. They're not closed. Okay, now she is peeking around the side. Yep, she's peeking around the side of the elevator. Yeah, but she's like walking. She's peeking. Oh, now she's hiding. She's hiding in the corner of the elevator. Yeah. She looks scared. And the doors still aren't closing. The doors are open this whole time. It's kind of weird that they haven't closed because she pressed the buttons. Okay, now she's peeking around the door again. This whole time, the elevator doors are not closing. You, You can't even see them. It's not even that she's standing in the doorway, so... So they're trying to close and then they can't. It's like they're not closing at all. Okay, now she's outside the elevator. Yeah, but she's like, she's taking steps as if she's she's doing some sort of ritual or something. It almost looks yeah. like, like she's walking forward and then backwards and then... It looks like a weird square dance. Uh, yeah, like walking in a box, like forward, backward, side. And the doors still haven't... The doors... Now she's completely outside of the elevator and the doors are still not closing. I don't know of any elevators that have a switch that would allow you to keep the elevator open like that either. I know that the fire department has keys that they can stick in and keep the doors open, but she's obviously not a firefighter. She's okay. Now she's back in and she's pushing more buttons, more buttons, like a, like a ton of buttons. Yeah. Yeah. Like she's, she's pushing like every button. I think she's trying to make it close. She's just trying anything she can to make the door close. Yeah. Okay, now she is back outside of the elevator. It almost looks like she's talking to somebody. Look at that. Yeah, yeah. she's facing one direction. She's making movements. Oh, her hands look weird. Yeah. They look like um, like they're not moving like a normal person's right. hands would move. They're like stiff. Mm-hmm. It looks like her joints or her muscles or something in her hands are like freezing up. Have you ever seen like a video of someone in a catatonic state where their arms are like weird and frozen? Yeah, it's like and, that. Yeah, it's what it looks like. But it's only her hands because she's clearly like walking around and. Yeah, she's lifting her hands above her head. Okay, now she's out of frame. Definitely not like normal getting into an elevator no. behavior. Like even if the elevator wasn't opening or wasn't closing, uh, you still, like, what's the point of all this, like, ritual walking around? Also, why have the elevator doors not closed yet? This is a, this has now been, we're two minutes and 49 seconds into the video, and the doors still have not closed. I've never heard of an elevator doing something like this before. Yeah, and she's... Okay, now the door starts to close. So the door closes three minutes and two seconds after the video starts. And the door is still closed. Yeah, the door is still closed. It doesn't seem to be moving. Oh, and now the door is back open. That looks like the same floor. Yeah, it's the same floor. Oh, now the door is closing again. Which is weird because 
why is it opening and closing when it wasn't opening or closing for such a long time? Yeah. And if she was outside of the elevator pressing the call button, we'd be able to see her. Right. So why is it opening and closing? Okay, it's still closed. There's still nobody in frame. Okay, it's opening again. Is that a different floor? Same floor. Same floor. Um, it's kind of a long video. Oh, and now it's closing again. That's really bizarre. Mm-hmm. It's opening, closing, opening, closing after almost three minutes of it just staying open. And that's the end of the video. Pretty okay. mysterious. That is very mysterious. Pretty weird. I, when I first saw that video, I was so creeped out because it looks like she's talking to somebody who's not there. Yeah, it does. And just the way that her, we'll post her, again, we'll post yeah. it on Instagram, but the way that her wrists are bent is creepy. It's creepy. Yeah, it's like some like possessed, haunted looking shit, yeah. right? Okay, so that haunted video is released February 14th and then still nothing's then February 19th. People in the Cecil Hotel are complaining that the water pressure is low. It's not tasting normal. It's got a weird odor. I don't like Color is kind of off. Something's weird with the water. So an employee goes up to the roof. He has to use a key to get up there because the roof is locked. Okay. And he discovers that there's an open water tank. He looks into the open water tank and Eliza Lamb is floating naked face up in the tank. Face up? Yeah. Oh, that is so creepy to imagine. And then the water tank becomes a crime scene. So just to put this in perspective, she's been in this water tank, we think, probably, presumably, for since she's been missing three weeks decaying. Oh, my God. And everyone is drinking, bathing, showering. Cleaning with this water. Wow, that is a huge lawsuit. I bet you all of those people that stayed there filed a class action and got so much money. No, because they're all like drug people or poor There's got to be or... some lawyer that heard this story and oh, took yeah. advantage of it. There's a, a lawyer staying in this, you know, cr- creepy ass. This was a huge dying. story, though. I bet you a lawyer reached out and was like, give me like, give me a list of all of your guests and hit them all up if he could find them and filed a class action. So there's a lot of weird missing holes in the story. Um, so the water tank becomes the crime scene. And then February 21st, the coroner labels it an accidental drowning. Okay. Says that it's her bipolar disorder and her mental health is contributing to this. Um, but the body has been there for three weeks decaying. So they can't like there's not really a lot of blood left. There's not a lot of urine left. Uh, so they can't really do like a ton of testing. But what they do find from their body findings and toxicology report and stuff is that the body was found naked with clothes in the tank that had a quote sandy particulate on it and mm. her watch and her clothes were in there and she the they didn't find anything that they thought was foul play but then to make things even more creepier her phone was missing but she you know she said she lost it so we don't know it still was posting to her blog to her Tumblr oh right so after her death it's still posting it's things? It still posts things. I wonder if she had... Can you... I don't know much about Tumblr or Blogspot. Can you schedule posts in you, advance? You can schedule posts in advance, but I looked at the post and the posts were not scheduled like for any time that would seem normal. Like one of them was for almost six months later. Oh, oh that's odd. Yeah. 
creepy. That is creepy. I wonder if maybe it was an accident that she pushed six months when she meant to post it. Like, I mean, it, it could be because we're looking at her Tumblr and her blog and it doesn't really seem to be any rhyme or reason to yeah. it, you know? So the police investigation says there's no foul play because the body was so decomposed. And the toxology reports shows that she was taking her medication, but she had been prescribed. So when you're taking bipolar medication, there's it's, it's not like a one-size-fits-all sort of thing. You mm -hmm. usually take something to bring your mood up or to bring your mood down, depending on where you are to help stabilize. So you, if you fuck up this drug cocktail, you could either be like way hyperactive and send yourself into like mania, or you could become like super depressed. Like it, it could go either way. Okay. It's hard to balance. So she's prescribed a bunch of different stuff. And we find that she, um, in her body, one of them, Bruporian or whatever, it doesn't matter what the name is. Okay. Is, um, it's like, known to cause mania by itself. So you're supposed to take an antipsychotic with it, but she hadn't taken her antipsychotic. Oh, so maybe she was in a manic state? So could be a manic state. She also had no alcohol or recreational drugs found in her system, but also the body had been in the water for a long time and her liver wasn't, wasn't able to be tested for roofies and there was no urine because of decomposition. So then after that happens, the coroner says there's not enough you know, evidence to say that this is foul play. So this is all that we do have. And her parents eventually end up suing the LAPD because they didn't ever process a rape kit because they said, oh, well, it's too long. It, it doesn't. We yeah. don't well, I think do rape that. kits are supposed to be done within 72 hours for a living victim. Mm -hmm. I don't know what that changes to when the victim is deceased. But yeah, you think they should at least try. Right. Just, right. I mean, I don't I'm not a medical examiner, but you might as well try. And they, there was a lot of delays, right? So she goes missing. Why does it take them a week to even put up a missing person, you know? Yeah, flyer. send out an alert or, or and also how did, how is it that the hotel staff did not notice that, like where were her bags? That's what I want to know. I'm sure she didn't check into the hotel or travel to the US with nothing on her. So I'm sure she had to have had at least a duffel bag or a backpack. Where is that bag? Was it left in the room? And if so, why did the hotel staff not think that was weird? Right. Well, you know, this hotel has 700 rooms in it. They've got, we've stayed in hostels before. Yeah, like, absolutely. It's a fucking shit show. Remember when we were in Oktoberfest? We stayed in a hostel yes. and it was like random, you know, one of our, there was people giving blowjobs in the stairwell. Yeah. Like, you know, like you and I came back from Oktoberfest and didn't even change out of our clothes properly. Just like yeah, unzipped just our dress. Out. Yeah. Like on the ground, I woke up in the morning and I see your dress like literally standing straight up. Like you had I just like so stepped, tired. You had just stepped out of your yeah. dirndl. Like you weren't even like, I'm taking this off. You were just like, you know what? I'm just. I was so out. over it. I had thrown up that night. Like I, was, <laughs> I came back. I like stumbled back into the hostel. We were so our group, there were six of us and we got split up. It was a whole debacle. I, I was going to leave a bad review and then I just didn't we were supposed to be in the same room together but we somehow got split up so four girls were in one room by themselves and then Natalia and I were sharing a room with four dudes that we didn't know <laughs> and, and we were like uh oh like this could be anyway it turned out everyone minded their own business and was really nice yeah, but unfortunately for yeah. me <laughs> unfortunately for Natalia the oh no there were two single people on the trip there was a, there was on a the one sort of hot Australian guy but he was like a total douchebag he was like a he was like a, okay, this is like a one-time thing. Like, I'm never going to talk about you. You don't talk about me. Yeah. You know? But it didn't happen. I just remember that there was a bag. This, I guess this is why I'm saying. It was that, strange. Uh, yeah. The bag thing would, would call attention to me because when I, when we first checked into that room, I remember the Australian guy being like, 
oh, I was like, oh, who else is staying in right. this room? And he was like, oh, well, there was this guy here a couple of days ago, but he hasn't come back to the hostel in a couple of days and his bag is still there. So I'm going to say something to the people at the front well, if he doesn't come back. Well, she was switched into the single room, remember? Oh, that's true. Yeah. So there's like so many things. Uh, okay, so... We have all the facts, right? Right. We've got fucking haunted hotel. Yeah. Like, and we're, or haunted a poor hotel. We don't know. Like just bad vibes. Bad vibes hotel dot you dot com slash USA. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and uh, we have this girl who does not belong in Skid Row. Yeah. And she's staying at this hotel and she goes missing for a long time and is found in the water tank, which people had been drinking her decomposing I cannot bodies. cannot get water. over that. People had been drinking and showering and bathing in that water. That gives me the creeps. If she had been... Also, why is there not enough security on the drinking like drinking? Yeah, are staff not noticing that they're... I'm sure that there's... I was most shocked that... Laundry, at least. That's where our water comes from. Are you telling me that my (laughs) water comes from a tower on top of my house... I don't think so, because I've been on the roof on top of my building, (laughs) and I don't see any towers up there that I could climb into. Well, you're drinking from municipal water, which is LADWP. See, the real mystery is, where the fuck is the rain coming from? Like, (laughs) like, how is this... Uh, why how how are we getting water to Los Angeles because I guess I don't understand how cities work right now why is there a water tower on top of the building um yeah I mean that's a good question I don't know how that hotel does water I know that they're like in agriculture there's municipal water from the city like the city has its own uh pipelines and stuff and then and then there's (laughs) like water wells that you can drill on your own land but they're both still regulated with water meters to see how much you're using Mm -hmm. um and you have to report which water source you're using from Alyssa, i'm gonna kill myself this is so boring well my point is so (laughs) i don't know how it works for hotels (laughs) but that's how it works for agriculture and you can't have your own rain catch basins so here's the theories have you ever heard of something called the elevator game? I'm going to start with this as the first one because okay. this is the best. <laughs> Have you ever heard of, heard of something called the elevator game? No. Okay. So the elevator game is a game that's popular in South Korea where you go, this is weird, you go into an elevator and you press a bunch of buttons and you cross over into an alternate universe. Have you ever heard of this? No. What? Uh, yeah. You press, a, okay, you go into an elevator, you press a bunch of buttons in a certain way, like press them in a certain order or just press them? You press them in a certain order. Okay. So you walk in and you press, you know, like t- two, four, I had it written down somewhere and then I was like, this is, oh, here it is. I was like, this is so stupid. This <laughs> will definitely not make it into the podcast. And then here I am being like, all right, you ready? Wait, I'm interested. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, the elevator, so she, if you look at the video, people say that she's pressing 14, 10, 7, 4, B, and block slash hold. Uh, this is this elevator game, which is a popular in South Korea in which a person is said to be able to travel to a different dimension if they follow a set of rules and order of a button pushing when riding an elevator. Damn it. Nut. I wish I had it. Yeah. Right you don't now. have your nut button. <sighs> okay. But. Um, And then a perhaps even weirder theory is that these numbers correspond to the John chapter 4 and verse 7, 10, and 14 of the New King James Version Bible, which read as follows, John 4, 7. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. John 4, 10. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says unto you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. 
John 4, 14. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Side note, how many times do you need to say, give someone a drink of water in the Bible? <laughs> like, we get it. It's like, all right, give him a drink of water, and then he shall be drinking that water, which has been torn The from- water shall nourish him because he needs to drink the water, right. so you must give him the water to drink. And as he drinks the water, he shall say, I have given this water yeah. to my friend who has the water. The, is, the, is the Bible written by a bunch of dudes who are like, oh, this has to be like 500,000 words. And they're just like me yeah, like trying meme. to finish an, ed, an essay yeah. like before midnight. <laughs> like all of college was me just like writing the same sentence. Like 17 different ways. 17 different ways. Um, okay. So back to Elisa Lam. Uh, haunted hotel. Weird. She, do you think she was playing the elevator game? That's a theory. Okay. Another theory is she is possessed. Another theory is she was murdered and her body was thrown into the uh, tower. Another theory is that she was having a manic episode and hallucina- uh, hallucinating, and that's what we were seeing in the elevator. The last one, uh, another one was suicide, that this was, she purposely drowned herself. Another one was that she was under substance or drinking or drugs, which I don't think so because they didn't find that stuff in the toxicology report, but also... It, it could have been washed away. I don't know. Or the last one is that it was a cover up and that the LAPD oh. um, somehow tampered with evidence or covered things up in uh, negligence type deal. OK, so the elevator game is really interesting to me. Uh, it's a South Korean game, you said. Is she of South Korean heritage or are her parents from South Korea? Uh, like, how would she have known about this game if we go with that theory? I know that her parents were immigrants. Oh, no, she was Cantonese, so Chinese. Okay, yeah. so, but maybe um, that game is popular throughout Asia and only invented in South Let's Korea. Let's just talk about how South Koreans have the most haunted stories. Yeah, very haunted. Yeah, like, um, that is a culture that ha- makes some fucking scary movies. Um, but, so, for the elevator game, um, so, the elevator game, you said that you have to push a certain certain buttons in a certain order. Right. That is a fact, right? It's that those buttons. Fact. Okay. Right. The elevator game is a fact. Okay. Well, no, no, no. I'm saying to play that whether or not that we believe in the elevator game, those are the buttons in that order that you have to push. And people that are, have looked at her on the surveillance think that she's pushing those same buttons in the same order. Correct. Correct. It's also really hard as you can see from the video to kind of see what she is pressing though. Cause it's like pixelated. Yeah. Did anybody go in and take a picture of what the elevator looks like with a better camera before they refurbished it? Uh, no, because then you might be able to tell and say, okay, well this is what it looks like. And in the video we see her pushing on the left side at the top. So maybe it was number seven or something. Do you want to hear the elevator? <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> okay. So first the prospective player must choose a building with at least 10 accessible floors and locate an elevator that can be used without anyone else trying to get on it at the same time. Checks okay, out. Check. The player will then enter the elevator from the first floor, but absolutely must be completely alone. But she didn't. Did she enter from the first floor? Uh, we don't know. Okay. Let's pretend. Okay. She, check. Well, let's just say maybe check. she was played it fucked up, and that's why this happened. Oh, oh God. Once in the elevator, the player must visit each of the following floors in exactly this order, pressing the next button just after arriving at each four, two, six, two, ten, five, one. Upon pressing the button to once again return to the first floor, if the elevator begins to move up instead of down, then the ritual has been successful, and the next floor the player arrives at will be a portal to another dimension. However, if the elevator obeys and begins descending to the first floor, 
The player must exit the elevator and the building as quickly as possible and not for any reason ever look back because a woman might enter the elevator at the fifth floor, but you do not acknowledge her. When playing the elevator game, there's a good chance a woman will try to enter the elevator when the doors open at the fifth floor. If this happens, the player should not look at, speak with, or otherwise acknowledge the woman. I honestly have chills right now. That is so scary to me. You want me to keep going? Okay. It's not even over yet? People who reportedly spoke with or glanced at the woman said she quickly became hostile. With one player taunted so aggressively, she attacked the unknown woman. Another player began dreaming about the woman, and she got progressively closer to him in the dream each night. One player claimed the woman assisted them in remembering how to get home, although allegedly she now continues to haunt them to this day. I'm going to have nightmares tonight. Yeah, man. Good. (laughs) (laughs) Players who make it to the other dimension will meet a red cross in darkness. Also, like, a woman... Like, why is all scary things have to be, like, a fucking woman by herself is yeah. scary to you? Like, Pretty just, sexist. Yeah, it goes back to, like, witches. It's like, oh, you're a woman who's not, like, just being fucked by a man <laughs> 24-7? Like, let's fucking cut your yeah, clip oh, off and y- burn y- you. Yeah, you wore pants. <laughs> Witch. <laughs> you're... you're at, you're a beautiful woman who's at childbirthing age and doesn't have children and lives by herself in the woods. Like, fuck you. Yeah, you're barren. Yeah. Yeah. Sexist. Bullshit. Yeah. Okay, so the ritual, if it carries out properly, the 10th floor should have a cast of darkness and a faint red glow. All players describe how they are completely alone in this other dimension with the woman from the fifth floor if she entered the elevator, refusing to explore this room with them. Players who choose to exit the elevator at the 10th floor. By the way, this is Ranker.com, just so you know. Oh, God. The most sensationalist. Uh who exit the elevator on the 10th floor believe walking in a straight line makes it easier to return to the correct elevator door to go home. But some sources say this isn't the case. Who are these sources? Like, who wrote this? Who decided the elevator game? Because elevators have not been around forever. So, like, they're yeah, acting this has like this to be fairly some, recent. Yeah, they're acting like this is some, like, ritual. It's like... Like, what? Is there, like, a haunted game I can play on my phone, too? Like... Honestly, I'm creeped out and I believe it. I, I, because that is so creepy to me. I want to believe. If you faint while playing the game, there will be dire consequences. You might think you made it home, but then realize you're still in the other world. Oh, my God. (laughs) Okay, so if we're going with this theory, then we think that she was playing it or at least trying to play it and that something happened. So So then how did she wake up in the... Maybe she saw the woman on the fifth floor and that's what who she's talking to in the video and she made the mistake of talking to the woman instead and maybe that's why she was trying to hide in the corner of the elevator in the footage because she's trying to not interact with the woman and then she failed and so something bad happened to her because that's what the game says. I also have two questions about um, that I want to ask you about her. So we don't know how she got up into the roof, right? Because it's normally locked. It's nor- it's normally locked. The only other way she could have gotten up there is if, I guess there there's like three or four different ways to get up onto the roof, but all of them are supposed to be locked. Okay. You could, I mean, it's a seedy hotel though. So it's like, yeah, like the fire alarm quote, quote works. Like, right, yes, yeah. Like our water is not haunted, you know? <laughs> like, oh, there are people like making sure the doors are locked. Like, uh, Yes, technically you're not supposed to be able to get on the roof. Yeah, but who knows what underpaid employee w- someone was doing that day. The fact of the matter is that she got on the roof. Okay, so so that's um, first first mystery is what was she doing in the elevator? Second mystery is how did she get on the roof past a supposedly locked door? Mm-hmm. Third mystery is, so that picture you showed me of the water tank, yeah. it looks like it has a pretty heavy lid. 
and she was able to remove the lid and put it back on or when they found her was the lid off the lid was open when they found her oh okay so she didn't close it after her no okay she just opened it and she was naked so is the theory that her watch was off too okay so is the theory that she took her clothes off before getting in the tank and that's why there was sand on the clothes and then she threw them in after um, some people have said, okay, well, when you're trying to climb a ladder and you're fucked up, you're probably not just climbing up, but you're going to like, you know, when you get to the top of the water tank, you're going to like lay on your belly because it's high. Like I would be scared. Yeah. I mean, even if you're having a manic episode, like you're scared, like, uh, you know, better than to just like jump off of a roof unless that's yeah. what you're trying to do. So people think that maybe she like slithered her way in there and then like took off her clothes. I don't know. Huh? Well, it's all very, it, that's. Because that's that's so weird. So if the tank was open, then that sort of eliminates foul play because wouldn't someone trying to kill her try to hide her body because like by closing the tank Mm -hmm. lid after her? Or taking her clothes. Yeah. And the other thing is there's no fingerprints of anybody else found. That's the thing is like they have a body, but the evidence doesn't point to anyone else being there. Which is why, in my opinion, it's either one of two things. Okay. Supernatural force. Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. Or she was having a manic episode, some weird drug cocktail thing. When you're going crazy, like if you've taken too much stimulant, anyone can understand it. Even if you have too much coffee, heart rate goes up, you get real sweaty. Yeah. Um, and now multiply that by like a million. Yeah, so I have to you, drink decaf because if I have too much regular calf, I go nuts. Yeah, maybe you're thinking um, get in the get in the water. I don't know. That's well, like you said. So the the medication they found in her system was one that is known to cause mania by itself. And normally you would take an antipsychotic with it, but she right. didn't have the antipsychotic in her system. But that's not conclusive proof because she had been so badly decayed that maybe they just couldn't detect it. Maybe it had a faster half-life mm-hmm. or whatever. And she hadn't had any any issues in the previously. Like, she's never had anything like this happen before. She's never had an outbreak. But her roommates did say, oh, she's acting a little bit weird. Yeah. But then the hotel staff says she was acting normal. But is that because they're trying to cover their asses and they don't want to say, oh, she was acting weird and we didn't follow up by, you know, calling the police? And also, what is normal? Like, look at, you know... the woman who was at the bookstore that saw, saw said she saw her and was like, oh, she's super outgoing and lively. Like, that could have been a manic episode, you know? Yeah, you like, never know. Hey, I, I'm so excited. I love my book. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, cool. Totally. Normal kid. Bye. Yeah. So maybe and she, and that lines up with her taking that medication that would make her more manic. Which all points back to the woman forcing her yeah. into the water tower. Honestly, I like the elevator game theory because she is pushing buttons like crazy. The elevator is acting weird. As far as we know, there's no button inside the elevator that she could push to make it stay open that long. Um, I wonder if you're really, really like maybe she was playing this elevator game because she did seem like someone who had knowledge of the Internet. Like she's on Tumblr. She's on Blogspot, she's speaking with, you know, uh, relatable like meme terms and things. Yeah. Maybe she did know about the elevator game and maybe she was curious. Curious. Or maybe she was having a manic episode and decided to play the elevator game and got scared. Have you ever played Bloody Mary? 
Yeah, absolutely. When I was, I remember in um, elementary school, they had uh, the part of the school was under construction. And so they had these restrooms set up that were almost like trucked in, in a way, you know, the portable classrooms, they were like portable restrooms, but not actual porta potties. And we used to go in there because they were on the far side of the school. And we used to go in there at lunchtime, turn off all the lights and one by one people would go in and play the Bloody Mary game. And it was really scary. Did you ever see Bloody Mary? No, but I mean, I also, I feel like if I had seen Bloody Mary, I would have blocked it out of my memory anyway. Which brings me to my next point. Okay. Is mental, no, this is like, get ready because this is journalist Nat. Okay. Is mental health so stigmatized that we want to believe in the paranormal in order to justify something beyond our mental health being? Damn. Well, now you've just rocked my world. Because if, if, if we go with that theory then believing in the supernatural is almost a slap in the face to anyone with mental illness because we should be acknowledging mental illness and treating it rather than looking for explanations that just don't exist, right? See, YouTube, is Natalia really the dumb one? Oh my God. I don't know. She looks like she's putting together some pretty (laughs) interesting, smart points, okay? For anyone who didn't watch the Beyond the Pine (laughs) podcast, there were like two comments that were like, is Natalia really that dumb? Because she made jokes and there are stupid people on the internet that don't understand the difference between jokes and reality. But it hurt my feelings. Oh, Um, we all know you're smart. I think that, you know... uh, the case with uh, Eliza Lamb is really sad because like we're reading her posts and stuff and I feel for her. She's this young adolescent girl and I just kind of like want to take her in my arms and hug her and be like, it's not, you know, it's, it's a sad, yeah. it's a, it's really a tragedy. And they have like, the, it's an accidental drowning and um, her family, you know, they're not getting the closure that they need because there's so many things that are left unanswered. So uh, as much as I want to say, you know, we can figure this out. It's, there's just so, there's so many things that it's like, it's, it's weird, right? Well, and I think this also just goes to, sh- to show. So this happened in 2013. Yeah. And there still isn't enough surveillance footage for us to make an educated conclusion. To like, me, that's so wild. And the reason that is, is because it's in Skid Row. It's like the super yeah. poor area of Los Angeles. That's true. Where it's like, oh, health codes, quote unquote. Like, yeah, we should, uh, I guess, have fire escapes that, you know, don't like go up to the roof. But probably that's how she did end up getting there, whether it was foul play or a manic episode. She shouldn't be allowed to get up on top of the roof, but she was. And I think it's come, I think the real question is, does America care about poor people and people who are affected by, you know, Poverty, actually. A lot of people who are poor, mental health, uh, homeless population, there's a lot of mental health going on there. But if you took someone who's super rich and has mental health issues, it's like, okay, like I'm going to go get my antidepressant. I'm going to go get my prescription. And it's like totally normal. Like, oh, you're fine. You can still have like a high paying job and high profile job in life and, and have that mental illness. But when you're poor and have mental illness, it's like no one gives a shit. I guess my only one qualm with what you just said is that Elisa Lamb is a privileged Canadian from a fairly wealthy family right. who owns their own business. She should not have been staying. She at the sh- yeah, yeah. She should not have been staying there. Um, yeah. I guess another thing I would say, and I know hindsight's twenty twenty, and it's not her family's fault at all, but it co- sort of puts into perspective for me th- another struggle that I'm sure her parents went through when she wanted to leave. You know, she had just recently been diagnosed. 
They don't know if she's going to be taking the, her correct dosage of medication, but you can't babysit her for the rest of her life. She's an adult. You have to let her go out. And I'm sure that's something that they struggle with and feel badly about because if they had refused to let her go, maybe she would still be alive. I don't yeah. know. I mean, I don't know. I do know that that hotel has all the bad vibes, though. Yeah, absolutely. Come on, like that is way too many bad things to happen. I actually, you know what? I think I drove by it the other day because I was in downtown for my downtown night class, and I, I, I. It's called Stay on Main now, right? It's called Stay on Main or like Main Hotel. They've tried to rebrand it so many times, and if you go on Yelp, oh, I wanted to read some of these. Yelp yes, reviews. please like, do. This place like attracts a lot of paranormal people, but well, I've seen I've heard of people like staying at the hotel to record paranormal activity before. So I think that I'm sure that the hotel does attract a certain type of crowd now. Yeah. Well, there's two schools of thought. Like if you go on the Yelp review, some of people are like, oh, like there's definitely a woman in 704. Like we couldn't sleep. I felt it was so scary. I had to leave. And then there's other people who are just like, this hotel fucking sucks. Like <laughs> there's drug addicts everywhere. Like your stuff gets stolen. Like I would not trust your roommates here. Which is also, you know, hostels. Yeah, that's just hostel culture, too. I mean, we've had pretty good luck with hostels, but I think that's because we're staying in youth hostels. And once we age out of the... <laughs> it's so sad to talk about. Once we age out of the youth hostel category, because I think that's at age 30, they make you stay in adult hostels. I'm sure it's a lot sketchier in the adult hostels. Point towards suicide, in my opinion, is um, that she scheduled a post for her blog spot to post out in six months. Mm. That could be a point for suicide. Okay, point for uh, murder would be how did she get up there? And since there was no rape kit conducted, we don't know if um, a transient in the hotel, it sort of, it attracted, like you said, the seedier side of people. We don't yeah. know if there was a transient or, um, or just someone in general staying there that was under an anonymous name and perhaps found her and knew she was vulnerable and raped her or killed her and threw her into this tank. Okay. Then a point towards paranormal, in my opinion, is the elevator game because she's pushed that elevator's acting really weird. Yeah, that elevator that elevator is acting fucked up. Yeah. Right. There's something wrong with that elevator. For sure. Like if we can we can conclude anything is that the elevator has some issues. One final point, because this makes me look smart. Have you ever read The Shining? No, I okay. never have. I love the Shining and the book is really good and in the book the elevator is very haunted at the Overlook oh. Hotel mm -hmm. and that kind of you know I kind of feel like maybe this one's going on here well and like the Twilight Zone a lot of the stories center around elevators right so yeah. elevators are just elevators, haunted elevators are pretty consistently haunted <laughs> I will say yeah so you guys great story Natalia by the way I'm sure. very intrigued I didn't know any I didn't know a lot of that stuff. I'd heard about the story before, but I didn't know a ton of what you told me. Did I do a good? What yeah. was your favorite part of the story? The elevator game? Um, yeah, probably the, either the elevator game or her blog spot posts, just because I never knew that she had a blog spot or a Tumblr. And it's really, it's such a window into somebody's yeah. mindset. Yeah, it is. Rest in peace, Eliza yeah, Lamb. Rest in peace, yeah. uh, Elisa or Eliza Lamb. And I hope that her family is recovering. I mean, that's super traumatic thing to go through. Do you know if they won the lawsuit against LAPD or not? I don't. And I don't know if any, that's another weird thing too, is like nobody really, nobody really traces these loose ends, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Which I'm yeah. sure they settled out of court or 
I don't know, that's taxpayer money either way. So also I feel sorry for the citizens of L.A. that had to contribute towards some settlement. Well, downtown Los Angeles, as we've discussed, is just a clusterfuck. Like they don't enforce laws there anymore because it's just too expensive. So I, I would not it would not surprise me at all if the coroner or the LAPD skipped a bunch of, you know, important steps yeah, yeah, to save money or something or just get it off their table. Or they didn't even realize like, oh, this is a 21 year old girl from Canada whose parent like has a family that loves her and is going to come out and cause trouble if we don't find her. Also, my heart goes out to that employee that found her. That must be so traumatic. If that person is not in therapy, I hope they get into therapy because that is enough to screw you up. They still work there. They still work there. So I was reading from a journalist who, uh, had went to the hotel and found that same employee and they like took them up on the roof that damn that person is really strong-willed I would not be okay after finding someone floating face up in a water tank and also I feel this is just a really sad story all around I feel sorry for the people that were staying in the hotel and drank that contaminated water I know I mean thank god she wasn't someone that had a communicable disease like HIV or hepatitis and then her body's decomposing in the water supply and they drink it. I mean, damn, like a lot of things could have gone real, really bad. And a lot of things did go bad in this story. Yeah. Yeah. The Cecil Hotel is now called the Stay on Main. We want to hear what you guys think. Yeah. And um, thank you. I know some people sent us emails. Um, we haven't had time to go through them all yet, but I appreciate it. And we might do a little mini episode where we read some of your emails or yeah, we will. Yeah. We're, yeah, we're, we're cool. Yeah. So keep sending yeah. us stuff. We're reposting what you guys are doing. We are. And we really appreciate all the people that made, um, fan art and yes, stuff. We, we see it you. all. We love it. Wow, we do. Natalia is very you. active on Twitter, and uh, I I check everything. So get D, get in my ads. Yeah, get in Natalia's ads. Get in my ads. Get in. Let's get haunted's ads. Um, once again, for people that want to email us, let's get haunted pod at gmail.com. That's let's get haunted pod short for podcast at gmail.com. We are also on Spotify now. Um, Spotify does not have uh, custom links, so. I can't give you a link to go to, but what you can do is just open your Spotify app and search Let's Get Haunted, and we're the only thing that pops up. And then on Twitter, we are at Let's Get Haunted, Instagram at Let's Get Haunted, SoundCloud is soundcloud.com slash Let's Get Haunted, and we are still working on iTunes. We're trying to do this for free. I'm like refusing to sign up for all of the paid programs, and so for that reason, it's taking us a little longer to get on iTunes. Also, we don't have a sponsor, so Mm -hmm. if there's any, you know, rich people out there listening to this or not anyone with money to burn anyone with money also if you just appreciated this episode and want to venmo us yeah you could do that too to show your support i'm at dog mom usa i'm at nat strawn so you don't have to but if you feel inclined too you could also just venmo uh yeah 25 cents and be like fuck you i hated the episode and then now we've seen a message from you And um, thanks for listening to our our disjointed uh, stream of consciousness. All right. Love you. Love you guys. Thanks for getting haunted with us. Oh, and thanks to Steve for making us this awesome intro, outro outro music. Yeah. Thank you, Steve, for making the intro slash outro music. And thank you for um, loaning us your nice audio equipment and editing this down to a, an hour and 15 minutes <laughs> well maybe this will just be a longer podcast all right we got to end this bye. this is taking too long bye love you bye <laughs>